Shohei Otani hits, pitches, and trades crypto. He does it all on the platform that trades it all. FTX, the official crypto exchange of MLB. But you don't have to be a pro to trade like one. Just download the FTX app and you could be trading crypto, NFTs, and more in minutes. FTX, Shohei's in. Are you? Hello, everyone. Welcome to Fitz on Fantasy. I'm Pat Fitzmorris. Find me on Twitter at Fitz underscore FF. Let's go straight to our guest this week. Here with me now is Alex Dunlap of Roster Watch. You can hear him regularly on the Sirius XM Fantasy channel, where Alex and his partners, Byron Lambert and the Trash Man, have been setting up shop for, God, almost 10 years now. And uh, be sure to check out rosterwatch.com for info on all their tools cheat sheets, articles, and seriously, consider getting yourself a roster watch sub for access to all these goodies. Their subs are very affordable and Alex and his partners eat, sleep, and breathe fantasy football year round. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Dunlap NFL and go find roster watch at roster watch. Alex, my friend, welcome back. Fitz, I think it's been now what it's, uh, is this, is this the, this is the third, is this the third time I've been on? It is. It is. We yeah, got to get you so, a gold jacket, man. So, so, so here's the thing. Hey, I, I, I'm a listener of the podcast. How many podcasts have you had since the end of the regular season? You haven't had that that many, right? No, it was a, a January hiatus. So this is only the second one since the end of the regular season. Have, have listeners heard about your finish in, in the Fantasy Pros competition? Uh, I think so. I think so. That's been uh, that's been mentioned before. But thank well, you for bringing I, I, it. Do you know what I would say <laughs> just before we before we talk about any of this other stuff, man? If if you're listening to this show and you found fat, uh, you you found Pat Fitzmorris, you know, through whichever avenue that you have, you're listening to a very very smart voice in this space, and he's he's a really modest dude. He he won't tell you that it's like, dude, it's like every year on the on the fantasy pros. Um, competition. He is consistently top, like not just top t- 10 or something out of, you know, hundreds of different industry analysts that put in projections weekly. He's always like top, top five. And it is, um, dude, it's a testament to you and your, and your process. And I can't believe it. I mean, we did fantasy pros. We were very successful in fantasy pros during the years that we did it. And it just came to a time where, we just started to realize like, God damn, man, some of these guys are so good here at the top. And whenever you got to be good at winning this accuracy challenge for this stuff, you got to be doing like, you got to be monitoring inactives. Like we have the game day show. We have this stuff where we do a stream right before we, right before lock. Um, we're answering questions in the chat over at roster watch right before lock. It got to where it was, it was just really hard to be able to keep up with all the late inactives, the late news, the stuff like that, where if you make a, make a big miss, and you don't catch something and you just kind of leave it in the leave it in the rankings. And um, those are the kinds of things that can hurt you, hurt you badly. And just like it's a testament to you that you're just so on top of everything to where you start out not just only with the great projections, but then also as the week goes, the week goes through, you're just so good at reacting to those things. It was too much for me as a content provider to even continue trying to do. So, yeah, dude, um, 
I, I haven't talked to you about any of that stuff, but I just want to say congratulations for another huge finish as far as as far as uh, fantasy pros. It's a big deal as far as I'm concerned. Oh, thank you so much, Alex. You are uh, too kind. And, and yeah, I mean, the people who have TV and radio obligations in the last hour or two before kickoff on Sundays, like uh, they're just automatically at such a huge disadvantage in that competition when they can't go in and adjust based on the inactives and not have, you know, a few minutes to, to gather their thoughts on how uh, an unexpected scratch might affect things. So, um, but dude, it, it's funny you're giving me this praise because I, before we get into anything else, I mean, I have to hand you the Stanley Cup here and let you skate a victory lap for absolutely freaking nailing the single best call I think anyone made on this show last year with the James Robinson call a year ago, early March. And, uh, an unheralded running back from Illinois State. You really talked him up as an under-the-radar prospect. And, man, I guess even NFL front offices didn't see what you were seeing because James Robinson went undrafted. Uh, so I have to ask, Alex, how many of your fantasy teams included Robinson last year? <laughs> I mean, mine all did. Uh, my my uh, what, was most, what was most important is that my wife's did. Uh, and so she was able to, she was able to, you know, uh, be able to gain the services of, of James Robinson as a dude that we were taking, you know, we're targeting, you know, 12th, 13th round and, in, in redraft. I think by the end, it kind of, it kind of moved up a little bit as people started beginning to speculate, but you'll, you'll remember Pat, people didn't necessarily always speculate on Robinson and that whole deal. A lot of people were going with a, a Zigbo and, um, right. Well, yeah, sure. Armstead at, at that point. So, uh, yeah, man, a lot of James Robinson. I'm still, dude, I'm interested. I mean, you're the, you're the projections guru. So what do you think? Just looking into the crystal ball is James Robinson next year. So it's a, it's a completely new offense, a completely new culture, a completely new organization in Jacksonville. But you got to think that urban Meyer is going to say, look, I'm going to do what, is the smart thing to do when I have a quarterback like Trevor Lawrence on a rookie contract. I'm going to do the thing where instead of saying I'm going to draft players to build around my young my young quarterback, I'm, I want to bring in experienced, good players to, to play around my young quarterback. And in this year's free agency class, you can look at a bunch of wide receivers that might be able to do it. They, like they're going to have to, they're going to spend. They have a bunch of cap space. Urban Meyer is going to build that thing like he wants to for one year. He's going to get to treat this like he was still at Ohio State or Florida, and he can go get whatever he wants. It's going to be different after soon, soon after this, right? Because he's got a salary cap to deal with that he doesn't. You know, they have the most cap space, or if not the most cap space, they could open up like a hundred million in, in cap space. They have the number one pick in the draft where he gets to take any quarterback that he I think personally, if if dude, this organization is gonna look at James Robin and say, like, what what why are we gonna waste any resources at running back? Look at what we have here. Like let's like let's build around our rookie quarterback in this in these most important ways. Like I d I don't understand how everybody just necessarily thinks that they're automatically gonna bring in to, you know, all this competition. I guess they could, but yeah, dude, I'm definitely interested to hear your thoughts about that. I hope you're right, man. I, I I would love to see them do nothing more than add, you know, a day three guy in the draft or, um, you know, and they're it, really, unless you're going to go chasing Aaron Jones and I, I don't see the Jags making that kind of move. Um, like there's not, you don't have the deep free agent class 
at running back like you do at wide receiver. So kind of limited options there. Like, I don't think they're going to bring in anyone, you know, to what you're saying, anyone who's going to really threaten Robinson's workload bat substantially. I mean, maybe they try to take a little off his plate because, I mean, my God, he was one of the the workhorses in the NFL last year. Like, not only was he a surprise, like, you know, for an undrafted guy, like if he was just part of a committee, it would have been a smashing success. He was like a giant the biggest workhorse right. in the league. Right. It was crazy, man. So um, I hope you're right, man, because he is – what a he's fun good. story he is. He's good. He's and good. he is like, good. He's versatile. And, he, and, and, and you have him cheap. It's like, I just, I think, I, I think they might be just sharp enough to realize it. Yeah. And, and what happens if that offense takes flight with Urban Meyer and, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence at quarterback and suddenly you pump up some, um, you know, factor in a little more touchdown potential there. So it's fun, man. It's, it's, great that he is going if to you be. bake in even if you bake in some other maybe just maybe just them drafting or them acquiring some bank that will be you know a 30 percent snap participant to james robinson saying, saying like 60 65 like even if you factor that in the uptick and what the off of you know the excitement and the upside of what that offense could be could could maybe make up for a little bit of that so yeah we'll see more we'll touchdowns see. longer drives sure We'll Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, you and your partner, Byron Lambert, were at the Senior Bowl last week. Um, you know, you guys go every year. Uh, I listen to your Senior Bowl wrap-up podcast, and it was pretty obvious who the two of you felt was the headliner down in Mobile this year. Uh, so what exactly did Alabama quarterback Mac Jones do in those practices to just knock your socks off the way he obviously did? It's just like you said, man, going to this thing every year was our 10th year down there doing it. And it was a different year for sure. Like there's so much that was different. I could have a whole podcast about how things were different this year at the Senior Bowl. But the one thing that's not is like the level of competition, at least under Jim Nagy for you know these past, what, three to four years, has been elevated. It's been, it's been awesome. I feel like it was awesome even – I mean, we were going to the Senior Bowl even before uh, Phil Savage – who now works with the Jets was in charge of 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 that. Um, it was like Kevin Dodds, I forget his name. Um, but I feel like with Phil Savage, it started getting you know it started really becoming something big. But under Nagy, this thing's just become really big time, and we see a lot of great players there every year. And when someone like Byron, who's like been so high on guys like Josh Allen. And, you know, Baker Mayfield and Daniel Jones and these guys coming out of the senior bowl where he's been sort of mainly on Josh Allen, where he's been sort of unwavering about him. I feel like he's been a, probably a little bit better than me at the quarterback stuff. And, you know, Byron said it was the best week of practice he's seen in, in, in 10 years in Mobile out of Mac Jones. I just feel like for him, it's saying something. We were there for the Kirk Cousins Senior Bowl. We were there for the Russell Wilson Senior Bowl. We were there for the Jimmy G Senior Bowl, the Dak Senior Bowl, the uh, – uh, you know, the Baker Senior Bowl, the Carson Wentz Senior Bowl, all of them, you know, when we're there for all that stuff, we I just you feel like you have a, a good basis from which you can you can judge these things. And for me, I wasn't sure it was the best that I the best senior bowl performance that I'd seen. But Jesus Christ, man, Mac Jones goes out there, he tells these dudes what to do. He goes like this is, these are all, these dudes are just, they, they just met like two days ago, man. Like 
you get to the senior bowl, it's this big event. Like, but, you, but I mean, you forget these dudes just met two, like two days ago. They, and the, half the time they've, they've been, they've been dealing with these, these scouts and all these new coaches and doing all this stuff and putting in the install, this offense and all this stuff. Whenever you get a guy like Mac Jones that comes in there and does it like Baker Mayfield did, where he's just like, he's just drawing it up. Like it's in the backyard and there's absolutely no issue with the, with, with, knowing who's who and who's where and, you know, telling these guys where to go and what to do and all this stuff. But uh, having a kind of fun, uh, seems like a fun and cool personality that these dudes kind of like. And then just the, I don't know, just the actual foot, the actual football on the field stuff with the touchdown field. Well, I mean, with the accuracy downfield on big throws, with the ability to push to these tight windows on these sort of deeper 12 to 15 yard out routes, the ability to really drive those throws and then, I mean, even to like showing off a little bit of mobility, certainly mo- mo- mobility in the pocket, but even a little bit, little bit of mobility to get outside. I, like Mac Jones is a good, solid player. He's going to be a good, like, I think he'll get drafted probably in the, I don't know, if you look at the draft, maybe around where like Washington or like the the Patriots or one of these teams picks. And he's going to be able to go in and start immediately. Because he, he's he's smart, he has the requisite abilities everywhere, and he just in a setting where he's playing with other guys who are college football, some of the best in that kind of setting, he comes in there and plays like a player who's playing at the highest level of basically all of them. So, at the, and at the quarterback position, you're afforded the ability to do that, even if you are this three star athlete that doesn't look anything like a you know a Josh Allen from a physical standpoint or any of the rest of this stuff. I think that dude just uses uses his brain and uses some natural abilities he has with that arm and, to, and abilities he has to move, manipulate, and see that pocket that just work for him. And um, I, th- I think he's one that you can bet on. Yeah, one of you guys, I can't remember if it was you or Byron on that wrap-up podcast were just raving about the ball placements that he showed all week in Mobile, just putting it exactly where he needed to put it to allow his pass catchers to maximize the run after the catch. And you needed some of that. You needed some of that with these guys, not only to maximize run after catch, um, but also with some of these dudes at the senior bowl. They're like, there are a couple of dudes that were just go up and go get it kind of specialists, unlike we've, you know, seen before. Some guys that, re- you know, we usually see more kind of tweener kind of players. I mean, you have, you, you have your occasional like Alan Lazard or somebody that comes out there that you say, like, well, he's only going to play on the outside. But, um, yeah, there were a couple of those guys this year that we got to look at, and uh, you know, even those guys, you have to, you got to place it in a pretty good spot for them to go up and put it in a spot where they can beat the DB and go up for the go up for the contested catch kind of jump ball. So all of a sudden, this is a really quarterback heavy first round we're looking at here. What what order do you think we're going to see these guys go in? As far as Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones. Trey Lance. I mean, these guys are probably all first rounders now, right? Oh yeah. You, uh, yeah. Well, what do you think about you Justin? What do you What do you think of Big Ten Country about Justin Fields? I'm curious. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, I mean, God, to me, I mean, I I didn't get to see what you guys saw from Mac Jones. I mean, I I think he should be number two. I, you know, I don't think anyone's going to take him over Trevor Lawrence. But um, you know, I've, I've heard the talk that it's going to be Zach Wilson going number two. Um, I mean, man, Fields' combination of arm strength and mobility to me is just otherworldly. And then what he did in the uh, semifinals of the the playoffs, 
um, to get Clemson. I mean, he's just, I don't know, man. I, I think he's pretty special. Um, so I, I, I kind of think he's going to be two. And then I'm kind of curious about, you know, whether Jones has a chance to, to jump Wilson. And I also kind of don't know how, how teams are going to look at Trey Lance. So it's going to be really interesting. I mean, do you have guesses on any of this or do you think it's, it's kind of a, a Rorschach test for these teams? And can we talk about exactly what a Rorschach test means for, for people sure. who might not know? What, how do sure. you define a Rorschach test? So it's the inkblot test, right? Where, where the, uh, the analyst shows the, the client, the, the, ink blots and what do they see in it? What do they perceive it to be? Like, what's the first thing that comes to, you know, almost like looking at clouds. What does that cloud look like? And, and, and the, and the idea is that like your answer is like a window into your soul because fuck, you can see anything in the world. You can say, Oh, some guy says it looks like a Raven or some dude says that, that looks like a, that looks like a dad who's sitting with his, sitting with his kid that he ignores all the time or something. And the, you know, that's how the psychologist, <laughs> that's how the psychologist knows, you know, how to, how to, how to, how to deal with it. But so I think that if we're looking at it like that, I think it's a, it's a good way to, it's a good way to put it because Honestly, it's how you see it. When I look at it, I see like my Warshack test says Jack says there's two. It's it's Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, and for me, it's Jacksonville and the Jets. And I've almost just uh, you right. I've almost just kind of figured that that's the deal. After that, I don't know. I don't. I think it's um. You look down the. Who knows what's going to be happening with Atlanta if they'll go quarterback? Who knows what's going to be happening with Philadelphia? If they're, I mean, with all this Carson Wentz stuff, they still have Jalen Hurts, and who knows what they're doing. Detroit is going to be in the market, absolutely for sure. Uh, Carolina feels like they need to be in the market for sure at eight. Denver, Drew Locke doesn't seem. I mean, they they're in the market for sure. Tw- Twelve, San Francisco. We hear all this stuff. Um, we hear all this stuff about Jimmy G and these kind of rumors. How does how does that go? And that's before we even start getting to the to the Washington football team who need who will go quarterback for sure. You know what I'm saying? Um, before we even get to uh, Indy, who you know, who knows if if in, you know if Indy could be in some kind of quarterback sweepstakes. There's Pittsburgh at 24. Who knows what who knows what they're doing? So yes, dude, Mac Jones is going to go to one of these teams. Trey Lance is going to go to one of these teams and Zach Wilson is going to go to one of these teams. Like that's happening and they could possibly be even trading up to make it happen. That's right. There's going to be some jockeying for position, I think with yep. these guys, because yep. there are going to be a lot of teams that, that do have that need that want to get one of these five guys for sure. Absolutely. So yeah, I didn't even say Chicago. There's been talk about who knows if like, if they trade away Trubisky, like Chicago at 20, there's going to like all these teams, man, they're going to be like, how do we get up? How do we get up to 10 with how do we get up to 10 with Dallas? Right? How do we get up to five with five with Cincinnati? Right? They're not gonna be going after anything. Um, so I could see that could see those sort of things happen. I guess my wheels are starting to turn here for my for my uh, mock draft competition. <laughs> we'll see, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with so of course one of uh Mac Jones' favorite targets was Devonta Smith. He was in Mobile, right? Did he do anything or was he just kind of there to make the rounds and, and glad hand and stuff? Or did he practice? No, unlike Najee Harris, he didn't participate in anything because you remember he got the finger injury in the second half of the of the national Oh, that's right. That's right. So yeah. like he he used that as an excuse. He didn't have much of an excuse for not weighing himself or measuring himself. 
I think we got an arm and a wingspan and a hand on him, but uh, you know, no height, no weight. I'm figuring we'll get that at the we'll get that at the um, Alabama, you know, pro day if they have it. So I'm, I'm certainly going to try and be there for that if they're going going to allow me, um, or if there's a regional combine. That's a, it's a weird deal. We're just going to need to see what thing what happens here with with COVID and all. But I think that's a that's a big deal with him. Um, but yeah, no takeaways on Devonte Smith from the Senior Bowl, as it as, as it were. As far as Najee Harris, he did take part in drills on Tuesday and Wednesday of practice, but only at the he like did it the absolute perfect. That's not the Cinderella. What is it, man? It's the thing is just perfect right in the middle. It's the uh, oh shit. What is Goldilocks and the Goldilocks. three bears? There you go. It's the Goldie. <laughs> he had the Goldilocks approach to the Senior Bowl. He's going to show up. He's going to meet the scouts. He's going to weigh in. He's going to walk around in front of media, fucking, um, you know, and, and sort of just show off what a, what a specimen he is after doing just the pre-practice, like 50%, 75% stuff. Um, when he's, you know, where they're saying, you know, no one goes to the ground, no, like all, all this stuff. After that, after, you know, I think that was maybe like two periods um, for for his team. So uh, he was out there for like two periods at the very beginning, but even then, you can still see with Najee like that. Like he's a dude. Like he's 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 good. Um, and you can see also like these teams knew they were only going to have him for just a little while, and so they take the opportunity the Senior Bowl to do the things that they want to see. And they were and, like they were throwing him the football in the backfield and seeing how he could catch and turn up field and stuff. So it was it was it was good to see out of that guy. So uh, you know, while it wasn't much to take away about Najee Harris. Certainly, a lot more to take away from him than the guy that you asked about, who also came from Alabama, the wide receiver, and of course the Heisman Trophy winner, Devontae Smith. Yeah, so obviously, like what Devontae Smith showed us on the field, like there's not not much questioning what the guy can do, uh, and it, I guess it's just a matter of how you feel about needing that prototype. Like, do you need the AJ Green body type, or you know, can you? Can you handle a guy like that who who probably right now might not even weigh 180 pounds? Like I, I heard you and my uh, our mutual friend Eric Edholm debating this on on one of your shows. Um, who you prefer between Smith and Jamar Chase, who you know has been uh, out of sight but not certain you know certainly not out of mind uh, opting out of the 2020 season. Um, like as of now, which of these guys do you prefer? Do you do you have a strong preference? I don't have a strong one, um, and I I think that I'm not gonna. I don't think I'm going to have a, a strong one until I know what Devonte Smith weighs. Until I know what Jamar Chase runs. Like those are two. Like I really want to see. I really want to see that uh, because with Jamar Chase, you look at it and you think, well, all right. Well, am I, uh, so, all right. So I'm, I'm evaluating you in the context of the Joe Burrow, Joe Brady, 2019 LSU offense. Right. And even when I'm evaluating you in that context, and even now that I know what Justin Jefferson has become as far as a wide receiver mate in that backfield, I think that's, I, I think that's a bit, I think that's sort of a big deal, especially when you think back and you just, you put on, you, you think about it, man, you think back and you're just like, well, I'm not sure if this was how it was presented in the media or if this was the general line of thought, but I kind of thought, man, when I watched LSU play, that Jamar Chase was sort of the alpha in that offense. Um, yes, so I agree. I, 
so I just, I, I, but I even look at what he was able to do and you look at it, the, you know, what he had. So his target share, what, uh, in the 2019 year, 20% or his, his reception share, 20%, the receiving yard share, 30%, his receiving touchdown share, 33%. Whereas you look at Devonte Smith, who was basically in the second best offense that I've ever seen, where he was the best player in that offense. And he was just a wide receiver who I just can't believe. Every time I turn on and watch him, I just can't believe him. I mean, what, 23 touchdowns this year, right? Almost almost 2,000 yards, definitely over 100 catches. Over 100 catches for sure, yeah. 117 catches. Um, and all those, you know, that's like 36% market share and 40% market share. And as far as the, the, the receiving touchdowns on that unbelievable Steve Sarkeesian-led offense, over 50% of the touchdown receptions. It's – um. It was like it was it was a sight to behold. And it's like honestly one of the best college football players that since I've been doing this professionally, which has been the last what like eleven years, that I can remember just seeing play football, you know? And then but I let all this stuff come into my head, like, well, I need to see what his weight is, I need to see what his 40 is, his spark score, all this stuff. Whereas like honestly, like the five-year-old little version of me, the version of me that's kind of like my daughter, who just asked me, why do you think the Chiefs are gonna win? Whenever you've told me and told me, told me that the greatest player of all time plays for the Bucks, like you're, you're, you're a stupid donkey. And I, and I'm just, I'm just like, you know what? I, you know what? You're right. I probably should think about that, but I get caught up in this minutiae and I caught So with Devonte Smith, I, I don't want to get caught up in some of that stuff with thinking, man, that's a, he's a player who I haven't really seen many like him before. And, and it doesn't matter. Um, I, I don't think it matters that it's, I don't think it registers in my mind that the reason why I, I feel like he's so much different than others that I've seen is because he's so skinny. I don't think that that is the reason why I think he looks different. I think he looks different because he's just out there making plays and, and being very sick. So re- regardless, I'll say this. If I don't end up with Devontae Smith as my number one, I'm certainly going to try and be as high on him as possible. I understand why people would have Jamar Chase. I don't understand anybody having in either anybody over either of those two guys. But I, man, I think right now, before I know how, before I know how much Devontae Smith weighs, and before I know how Jamar Chase runs, I think, I think I'm just, I think if I was picking in a rookie draft right now, and we were like pick 1.03, that's where I would be picking between these two, and I think I would take Devontae Smith. Yeah, man. So I, I agree that they should be one and two, and like I know they're people who actually think Jalen Waddle is is the guy they would rather have over Devonta Smith. I don't know about that. I mean, the, the one comp, and I, I guess there there is a name for comps that does kind of like strike fear in my heart. Because I, I, you know, I guess you can't say it's completely invalid. Peter Warwick, who just was a beast at, at Tallahassee for Florida State and, um, you know, just didn't fire in the NFL. But do, you, but do you see it? But do you, but do you see Peter? But don't but 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 don't you see Peter Peter Warg as being more of a more of a all around sort of uh, I, like more of like a Antoine Randall L type of kind of I mean do you, don't you kind of see him being sort of a different just offensive weapon that Devonte Smith was just yeah a pure, that, that's like a, it. Like I a mean, pure receiver sure it's like, sure you, that you was part Braxton, of it. I mean, like you could say Braxton Miller or something like that isn't a good comp but like you know what I'm saying like you could say those kinds of guys would sort of fit in with the way that you would consider that guy's profile right I mean I think Devontae Smith is a little more like a little more pure like it's just a you know just like you picture him just being a being a Z wide 
a Z wide receiver for you before you, but like I said, man, this is before we know what he weighs. I want to see what he runs. I think the two most important data points between Jamar Chase and Devontae Smith though, or Devontae Smith's weight and what Jamar Chase were on. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I know Peter work part, part of it with him. He was this, you know, transcendent college return man, but, um, yeah, I don't think he could do in the receiving game what we've Didn't seen. Didn't he also play baseball do. or something? Or like he was like a basketball star or something? Like Peter Ward did fucking everything. Wait, I, don't, like, yeah. I don't remember that. And he he did. He only had 1,000 yard. He only had one really great receiving year for Florida State. Like, I mean, he was this great all-purpose guy, you know, even running reverses and, and as a return man. But he only had one... Uh, he had a 1,200-yard season for Florida State in '98, and other than that, I just, he was I just, like, I, I, I just, I just don't think about those kind of comps for Devontae Smith. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Um, so let's talk about some of the other Senior Bowl receivers. Uh, like, who, who impressed you down there? Like, who's at at the top of the list of guys who caught your eye and caught Byron's eye? Amari Rogers from Clemson. And I had no idea that was going to be the case coming in. I I, I never know who's going to be the sickest one coming in, but it's Amari <laughs> Rogers. I get pumped up just think just talking about him or just thinking about his practices. It's Amari Rogers for sure from 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 Clemson. Was he? Did he have as good a week? And and this was another great call by you, uh, Debo Samuel. Like you came out of the Senior Bowl loving how Debo Samuel performed, and I remember you talking about how. Uh, you know, he was just clowning Rock Yassin down there, who's who's turned out to be a pretty good corner. Um, I mean, did he have that kind of week where it's like just head and shoulders above some of the guys he was up against? He, was, he had a Debo Samuel week, but I won't say that he had a that Debo Samuel was head and shoulders above everybody else because um, if you remember the Debo Samuel week, we also had a we also had a big. Terry McLaurin week that week, right? Oh, that's but, right. But that's the, right. but the, but the, uh, but with it, it was a Debo Samuel, Terry McLaurin, Cooper Cup kind of week for, um, for Amari Rogers, and who was a guy who I didn't know a thing, I didn't know a lick about coming into this, coming into this uh, Senior Bowl. But you just get to see him, and you watch him in practice, and you're like, man, is he like, golly, he's catches, he catches everything. He gets open. He gets he gets he gets open from either from like the Z. He gets open from the slot. From the slot, he's deadly against these these linebackers. But even from this, even from the stretch Z, you're like, how does it? He gets he like they would come up and try and press him, and you know he they couldn't they couldn't deal with him, and just he caught everything, and he would get open. He'd go up for contested balls, play play like a complete dog, and um, I I just I just I just like well shit. This year for COVID, we didn't get to go to the weigh-in. And so we were constantly having to look at these guys and see what they weighed and stuff like that when they would update the rosters. Um, we usually, you know, get to go to a big room where they weigh everybody in and you can take down all your measurements. You can kind of know about everybody coming in. I didn't know that Amari Rogers weighed 211 pounds at the weigh-in. Like, he's a five foot nine guy, but he weighs 211. And, they, like, when you realize that, you could see it through his upper legs. You could see it through his – it's basically through his sort of midsection, through the bottom part of his torso, where he has the ability to shed, like after catch. Uh, it, it just it, Byron had the perfect uh, the perfect comp. It's a, it's like a mini AJ Brown. Uh, he looks like that, and a mini AJ Brown in a lot of ways, a mini AJ Brown in a lot of ways looks a little bit like a Debo Samuel. So 
that's uh it's kind of a James Washington build too, isn't it? Little, Where he almost little, looks more like a running back than a receiver. But, yeah, but shorter. Like think more um think more like Jameson Crowder. Like that kind of thing. Crowder wasn't quite as thick at his senior bowl, but if it was I know exactly what you're saying. He's not as compact. He's he he doesn't have as broad of shoulders as James Washington. He's more uh he's more he's more shaped like he's more shaped like an AJ Brown. Um, but dude, he is, he's something else. I, I, I mean, we're going to be super high on Amari Rogers. I hope he lands in a good landing spot because he could, I mean, he's going to be a slot machine from the apps from the start. And, um, turns out, man, I found out after all this, that I guess T Higgins is his dad. I had no idea that he comes with all this, you know, oh, T Martin. Yeah. Or I'm sorry. T. Yeah. Whatever. I didn't know. What did I say? Did what did I say? T Higgins. Higgins. <laughs> The guy, one of the guys who was overshadowing him. So that's part of it. I mean, like, I wonder if some of the people in these dynasty rookie drafts are going to like dismiss him and think like he's a one year wonder and how much of it was that he was Trevor Lawrence made. But I mean, two years ago, he was getting overshadowed by T Higgins and Justin Ross. So yeah, I mean, nothing wrong with being the third wheel there, I guess, when you're a, a younger guy. And then, you know, he he definitely popped this past year, but yeah, T Martin's son, the former Tennessee quarterback. And I think he's a mobile guy, right? Like, isn't he, didn't he grow up in, in mobile? No, I think that, you know what? I, I think know. you're I, right. I don't, I don't know what numbers is certainty, but for, for, for some reason, I think, I think you're right about that. I think you're right about yeah, that. So no wonder he was so at home last yeah. week. Well, um, dude, well, Hey, just, just, just Amari Rogers is, he's the, he's, he's the real deal. He's the, he's the, he is the real deal. And people need to know it coming out of the senior bowl. Who else did you uh, like from that wide receiver group? Uh, I liked a lot of them, man. Um, Tylen Wallace. Pre- yeah. I, okay. So Tylen Wallace, uh, he you know was a guy that I've seen ever since he was. I mean, back at, you know back in high school, he's a he's a he's a Dallas area kid. Everybody know that he was he a precocious player in college. He broke out at age nineteen. Um, just the way you see him, just like really coordinated, really good hands, frames the ball super well. Uh, and I think that what people don't give him enough credit for is just the dog he plays with. I've likened him during college to sort of a Steve Smith type player. Um, what did he, what did, what, what, what did he, what did he weigh in at? Let's see. I have it, I have it here. So he weighed in at 5'11, 193. So, Actually, a little bit bigger than I had him projected. I, I figured he was going to come in at more like 185. But you know, if you look at if you look at Tylen Wallace, and you look at Pro Football Focus, what they did in their um, with some of their stats on this last draft class, they noted for him that you know his yards after contact they were 33.07 percent of Wallace's yards in 2020 came after he had been first contacted by a, by a defender. So even though we're talking about a dude who we like is a stretch Z, who we think could probably run sub four or five, they can move into the slot. That's where the NFL wanted to see him at, at, at the Z and at the slot. He's a dude who NFL teams, when they wanted to see him in Mobile, used him more in like these drags and these curls and this stuff like that. He's fearless over the middle. He's a, he's a, a, def, he's a dependable catcher of the football. I feel like when you throw it at Tylen Wallace, I feel like you're pretty. You feel, you feel pretty good about it, and I, I'm not as worried, I guess, as I was coming in about his ability to uh, face press coverage 
because when you look at his his numbers versus press coverage in college, uh, only 60 times on his 257 routes, which was basically one of the lowest in all of you know P5 football. He didn't he, he didn't play versus press at all. I came out of this feeling like that yards after contact stuff that we kind of talk about and the ability to sort of be tough over the middle and um, be fearless like that. I just felt like, I felt like for Tylen, it was going to translate to being able to get off a of press and being able to have some success during senior bowl practices. And he certainly did. And so I love Tylen Walsh. I think it, I think a dynasty rookie drafts, he probably should be going in the, maybe the middle of the second round in 12 team leagues that only are, for the dynasty leagues left that aren't super flex, you know, I guess, you know, I guess it's, 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 it's super flex drafts. I would have to recalibrate to maybe more like late seconds kind of, kind of pick. Now I know you guys kind of like Dwayne Askridge too. Tell me about him and what you liked. Well, what you, yeah. I mean, what you like about Dwayne Eskridge is the fact that you get dreams in your head that he could be a Tyree kill for an NFL team. He's uh, he's almost 5'10". He weighed in at 188, which was thicker than I thought that he would. He's got elite speed. He has – I mean, he's just so quick. He's – I mean, it's just – I don't really know. Like, he's got elite speed and quickness and stuff. It's like he's a great kick returner. He's, he's versatile. He can play every – I mean, he's played like running back and he's played cornerback and he's played wide receiver. And in a weird way, that makes you feel kind of weird because he comes from Western Michigan and – they moved him to defense and why did they ever move him to defense and why did they move him back to offense and what happened with all that stuff? But I mean, as far as his, yeah, I mean, he has all the receiving yards. He's just like, he's got over a third of the receiving yards for his whole team. He's got blazing speed. People talked about how he's going to run and like, you know, run indefinitely in the four threes. You see that he was the fastest one of everybody in mobile with Kadarius Tony, maybe being somebody a little bit close to him. Speed wise, from a pure, from a pure uh, speed perspective, but I mean, it's it just, uh, I, it's just when he's out there, you're just like, shit. Well, this guy's going to do something with the ball in his hands. Uh, he he led the nation in, in all-purpose yards per game last year. He had like every game, whether it was a kick return, anything like. I mean, every game he was getting you 213 yards. He just cranks them out for you, man. Dwayne Estridge. The what you worry about was, like I said. Level of competition, and he's old. He's a year older than C.D. Lamb. He's 10 months – I think what somebody tweeted out he's 10 months older. Like, I tweet out he's a year older than C.D. Lamb. Some, some, somebody tweeted out that he uh, after that – and I, 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 I have not confirmed this, but I, it's, I, it's probably right. Somebody said that he's 10 months uh, older than D.K. Metcalf. So – for dynasty, you know, those are probably things that you could think of. But, but dude, I mean, the guy's got some Antonio Brown or something to him. He feels like a magical dude, and like he's he's got some mass. One eighty eight, like that ain't bad. I mean, he's like he's he's at just five five nine and one eight. Uh, so he's five nine and one eight. Now that I'm looking at it, so I thought he's closer to five ten. At five nine and one eight and one eighty eight, he's got some armor to him. I mean, Dwayne Eskridge is, a, is an exciting player. I um, I certainly thought he's one of the top three that I watched whenever whenever I was at the Senior Bowl. Oh, now, what what a year this could be for the smaller receivers. And and I, I want to follow up on a guy you just mentioned, Kadarius Toney. Um, I've seen some people put him ahead of Rondale Moore, who was not in Mobile, uh, in their rookie rankings. And, yeah, I mean, Daniel Jeremiah, I think, in his first mock draft, had Toney going 17 And that's overall. what scares me, brother. Like, and, that's what scares I mean, I'm me. I'm intrigued. That's what scares me. 
I'm sorry. Yeah, I, didn't mean I mean, I'm, I'm intrigued by this guy, but Rondale Moore had a Rondale Moore was a fucking monster. At, Purdue is an 18 year old freshman, like 1,200 yards and and 12 touchdowns. It was. I mean, do you think Tony is anywhere near Moore's level? I I kind of don't. I mean, Tony's exciting with the ball in his hands, but I mean, Moore is just. I think he's at a, a different level. Well, Tony's just so fast, man. Like he's fast. He's fast like Dwayne Eskridge. I don't think he's as fast as as, as Dwayne Eskridge, but I think like you know when Byron sort when Byron sort of saw him, he just said, "Well, he looks like KJ Hamler to me." And whenever somebody says that, who knows what that means? You know, as I know Byron to know what that means, I, I think like ah, oh, it's like some he spotted out some elite speed. Apparently, I'm not sure that I saw the kind of KJ Hamler speed. But I do think I do think he's. Pro- I mean, he's probably four four man, or it could be four three nine. I don't. I don't know. I, I. I don't know. And I. And I also know this. I know that me being higher on Dwayne Eskridge than I was on Kadarius Tony goes comp- flies completely in the face of what Daniel Jeremiah put out. Where both now it's not just Jeremiah, dude. Now Bucky Brooks in his mock draft one has Kadarius Tony going first round as well. So both the guys yeah, dude, and these guys are, yeah. And I'm not, I'm not knocking like I, all the respect in the world for Daniel Jeremiah, man. And and he knows what teams are are thinking too. So um, it just surprised me. And Bucky Brooks talks to NFL teams all the time. Like I do this mock draft contest every year. Like, I, like I finished with the second best mock draft on the huddle report of, of everybody last year. I like, I, I, I try to filter out the people to listen to. Like I listen to what Daniel Jeremiah and what Bucky Brooks say, just because I know they're like, I just know they're plugged in. They talk to these guys. And so like the fact that they all have Kadarius Tony, that makes me, you know, reconsider. I just, I, because he does, he has extraordinary explosiveness. He's just extremely elusive. He's, uh, you know, he's a, he's a, I mean, he's a great kick returner too. Right. He can play. He's played quarterback. He's played wide receiver. He's played running back. So a lot of the same ways as Eskridge, like the same, same kind of, same kind of player. Um, a good week at the senior bowl. He did have some, the one thing he had some bad drops. He has some, he had some pretty bad drops during, during the week. And, um, I'm just wondering how much he's, uh, I, Look, I think he's I, I think he's great. And, and the on, my only comparison against him is comparing him up against Dwayne Dwayne Eskridge. I do think coming out of the Senior Bowl, he would have been my fourth rated wide receiver after Wallace. After the guys who, uh, ironically, that you've asked me about Wall, you know, it it would go it would go, uh, cert, it would go certainly Amari Rogers one, um, Eskridge two, Wallace three, and it would be it's a tough decision between Tony and and, and Wallace. But I think what that shows is maybe I considered Kadarius Tony more of a day two kind of pick and not a guy who I would think the NFL teams are going to be interested in selecting in you know round one at like fifteen or wherever to Dan- Daniel Jeremiah. Yeah. And here's anyone here's, else who here's wanna- the other thing. This is like they they the it's so deep this year. Smart teams will be like, oh, do we really need to like? It's an awesome good wide receiver class. Sure. It won't it won't be as good next year. It's good this year, man. It's deep, man. Are there any other guys who uh, you want to mention, just either guys who like surprised you in a good way or maybe were a little uh, guys who kind of disappointed you somewhat? Yeah. So at, at wide receiver. Um, well, I, I love Shy Smith from South Carolina. He's a he's a really good player himself. He had the absolutely he had the catch of the week. Um, 
I think that just the guys who I would mention as honorable mention sort of, and I don't feel like we need to get into a whole lot about them, will be Nico Collins. I would just say about him out of Michigan, you probably know him. Um, a little bit more of sort of a maybe, you know, if you feel like his his ceiling could be like a Mike Williams kind of Chargers sort of type. I'm not sure how fast he's going to run. Uh, Des Fitzpatrick out of Louisville, very good in the game and also just productive all week. And when you continue writing down, I think he was number 13. I have 13 written down over and over in my notebook. So I, I want to give him a nod. And then Demetric Felton out of UCLA actually came in as a dude who pl- played only running back. But uh, ended up being the wide receiver uh, of the week number 10. He ended up being the wide receiver who was showing up more and more in my notes and also who the uh, defenders from his, from his team. And I believe his team was the Brian Flores' his Miami Dolphins team. Yes, it was because Sam Ellinger threw him the touchdown in the game. He ended up being the guy that – he ended up being the guy that the, uh, that the defenders on the Flores national team said was the best wide receiver of them all. You, you think Felton is going to get classified as a wide receiver? Is, is he going to be in like this Ty Montgomery uh, Never Never Land where he's kind of uh, in between a floater, like where there's no no place for him? Do you, do you know what is going to happen for the combine if we had one? They put Demetri Felton as a running back when he should be a wide receiver, just like they put Antonio Gibson last year as a wide receiver when he should have been a running back, just like they put Jalen Samuels as a tight end when they should have put him as a – they always get this messed up with the combine. But this year we don't have a combine. Demetri Felton, I feel like the majority of NFL teams, and it seems like this is sort of what his agent um, – from what I've heard, I've not spoken directly to Demetri Felton's agent, but I've heard that – you know. Maybe this was a little bit of a showcase to show what he can do at wide receiver. I feel like teams might be looking at him a little bit at wide receiver. He certainly played completely at wide receiver this this senior bowl. So I think that that's that's likely what he's doing. I mean, what are t- how how interested are teams in a five foot eight, you know, one hundred eighty nine pound running back? Really? I mean, he he needed to get out there and show that he and he got out there and like he NFL teams care that the, all those kids at the senior bowl said that was the best one that we faced all week long. All right, Alex, quick non-football interlude here. Um, And for those of you who didn't hear Alex Dunlap's appearances on the show the last two years, two fun facts about Alex. Number one, he was a high school teammate of Drew Brees down in Austin, Texas. Uh, Wait, was that? That was Westlake High? Is that right? And and which which year did you guys win the state championship? The night it was... So it was Drew's senior year, my junior year. I graduated in 98. It was the 1996 state championship. I have the ball right over. Glory it is. And number two, Alex played bass in the uh, critically acclaimed Austin band Alpha Rev, which had a hit song back in 2010 called New Morning that spent 11 weeks in VH1's top 20 video countdown. So when people refer to Alex as a rock star, they're not just talking about his fantasy football work. Uh, he is quite literally a rock star. So uh, we do have to talk music for a second, Alex. And I said I'd bring this up with you. Can you believe these jobs I've had? Jesus no Christ. kidding, man. You were, you were living a charmed life here, brother. Yeah, I, um, unbelievable. So I, I think I tweeted something like a, a couple months ago about Cracker being an underrated band, and, and you yeah. replied to me. I can't remember what you said. Do you agree that they're underrated? No, I What's just, your take I just, on Cracker? Uh, well, no, because what I wanted to ask you, and I said, you know what, I'm just, I'll, I'll just ask, I'll just ask Pat this the next time we we, we get on a podcast. Who do you think's who do you think's better, Cracker or 
Cracker. Well, there's two bands that I want to ask you about. Who's who's better between Cracker and 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 Third Eye Blind? Oh, I gotta go Cracker there. I'm a big who's, Cracker guy. I mean, Third Eye Blind's like, you know, fine. But I like I never bought any of their music. Like I I've actively like bought Cracker discs and gone to shows and stuff like that. So I mean, I, I got nothing against Third Eye Blind, but the lead singer of Cracker. Like we toured with we toured with Third Eye Blind for a long like a, I forget it was a long spring or summer. It's like a big long tour, and I always remember thinking that the lead singer Stephen Jenkins from Third Eye Blind reminded me of the lead singer of Cracker just with his with with his voice. And the the the, the other one that always kind of reminded me of Cracker that I wanted to ask you about. What about Cracker versus Better Than Ezra? Oh man, uh, yeah. So I'm trying to think if I ever had their disc. I, I might have. They're the the good guys, right? Uh, I yeah. I don't know too much of their catalog to be honest with you. Okay, like I kind of like their sound. Similar, similar, um, sim- similar sound, man. Sim- 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 similar I, sound. I want to know about your musical taste, man. Where where do they generally lie? Like I know Alpha Rev was considered alt rock, uh, right? So what what kind of stuff do you generally listen to? Is that sort of your wheelhouse? No, I mean, Alpha Rev was, I mean, by the time we got signed to a major label record deal with Disney, it was like, by that time it was, it was pretty, it was, it was pop rock, you know, it was, it was pop. Um, I felt like, you know, some of the albums that we made on independent labels and some of the albums we made, you know, after we got dropped before I sort of transitioned out of the band, you know, had more edge to them and stuff. And it's funny, all artists think it's like, they, you know, they think the shit where it's like, oh, you know, fuck the man. Like we, our, our shit when, when it, when it, when it, when it wasn't all corporate was best, but you know, of course the corporate stuff's the stuff that was, you know, famous and, you know, um, but no, I, I don't like right. I listen to right now. Like, to be honest, man, like I don't, I listen to not much music at all. I, I listen to, um, you know, hey, when I when I write about football, when I'm writing up players, or I'm doing the scouting reports. I listen to Explosions in the Sky because uh, it's the best music there is for that kind of, you know, for me for that kind of stuff because there's no lyrics. Um, they're like they're like an instrumental band, and somebody who honestly that like Explosions in the Sky was a, a big. I've been listening to Explosions in the Sky for a super long time. They're from Texas, and they just have that sound that's just as big as the West Texas sky, man. When they like. It almost feels like it feels like the um, it's like some of their builds, you know, and some of their some of their uh, dynamically the way that they move. Uh, like it sometimes can make you feel like you would feel like if you were at a rave or something like that with the builds that, the, you know, the EDM music was doing and stuff like that. And Explosion of the Sky has been doing that for a whole long time. It's really, really good music. Um, and but like. I, I, like it's funny, man. Right now, I just listen to music kind of practically for stuff like that. I don't, I, I don't. Um, do you have like something where you sit down and you just listen to music? Do you do it at the gym? Like, when do you, when, when, what, what time do you carve out of your schedule to listen to new bands and stuff? I feel like I don't really do that, dude. I, like, I listen to it for utility for what I just talked about. Uh, you know, when I'm out on the boat, I'll put it on like Sirius XM, like Yacht Radio, and you know, hopefully like ELO or something like that comes on. Or, you, like, uh, but I, I, I. Uh, I don't know. Like, I'm not big. Like, you wouldn't want to hear any of my recommendations right now about new music that has come out recently. I'm not much of a consumer of new music. What, like, no, how, do you, and I'm, how do you how do you consume? I'm kind of the same way. I like my days of chasing new music are kind of over, and I feel like I'm just uh, you know going going back through the same stuff I was listening to in my 20s and 30s, and uh, pretty yeah, pretty much the only time you know, I think. 90% of my music consumption comes when I'm running now. 
Like that's, you know, that's my hour, hour and a half a week or whatever of, of doing that. Um, oh, I thought you could say so an yeah, hour, hour and a half a day. I was going to say, Jesus Christ, man. What no, no. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Not a chance. Not a chance. And that's the thing. I listen to so many podcasts now, not only fantasy football, but like, you know, other stuff. So, um, yeah, I hate to say it, but sometimes your music gets squeezed out a little bit. I think it's um, a good, I, I think it's a good idea when you got little kids like we do, is to just maybe take a minute and just like, if it's dinner time, everybody's running around. If it's something like this, like, you know, nobody's watching TV, but you can find a channel on TV and just put it on like Motown or something like that and just play it to where the kids hear some good music. Like, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do that kind of thing for sure. You know, like, but, um, I will, I will to this day, and I've been doing this since they were little. Like, I will make my kids, like, they, if a Beatles song comes on when they're in the car, oh, they, like, they right. have to identify the lead singer. They have to identify <laughs> who is singing that song. That's great. Dude, that's an awesome I, trick. I, I, yeah, dude. I love it. And they got to be able to tell them from McCartney. So, um, all right. I have to, I have to squeeze in some more rookie talk with you, Alex, since we have not gotten to the running backs yet. And uh, you mentioned Najee Harris. I mean, it seems like he and Travis Etienne are everyone's consensus, number one and number two. Uh, it's just which order. Do you have a preference there? Yeah, no. I, yes. It's, it's, uh, for me, it's Najee Harris and then it's Travis Etienne. And for, for me, that's nowhere. You know, we struggled over the Devontae Smith, Jamar Chase stuff. We're still, I'm still hedging and waiting on info and stuff like that. I'm not hedging on this one bit. It's Najee Harris and then it's Travis Etienne. Is it the like that he can do what he does at that size where – Whereas ATN's kind of a, you know, I mean, like, I don't know. Harris is, has definitely got that, you know, Derrick Henry vibe where he can just do magical things with a man of that size. I mean, he's 230 pounds. I know he's almost like to me, though, he looks less like Derrick Henry, a little bit more like Adrian Peterson, who can catch the ball out of the backfield like Matt Forte. And then you just look I mean, on, on, on that offense last year. It wasn't necessarily built to say like we have to we have to get the football out of the backfield to our running back. That's like that's not a lever that has to be pulled out of that offense to make it work. I've watched a lot of Steve Sarkeesian's offense. One of my you know my my two jobs in the whole entire world are running roster watch and covering the Texas Longhorns for over at Orange Blood. And I've studied the new Steve Sarkeesian offense and stuff like that. Is not a lever that you need to pull to say this offense only works if this happens. That 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 happens because he's that good a player in space with the football in his hands. He could be a thirteen percent market share guy on the, on the second best college offense that we've seen in, in the in the history of college football. And then you you just get to see him at the Senior Bowl. Like I said, he's built like a like to me. He looks less like. I mean, I've been to. I, I was at Derrick Henry's pro day. He does. Najee doesn't look like to, to Derrick Henry to me. Um, he looks more like Adrian Peterson looked to me at the workouts that we would go to where we would see AP. So uh, that's a little bit more of the way I sort of see him. And I mean, Travis Etienne, I love him. I think he's really good. Um, I I wonder just how fast. I don't care if Najee Harris runs four five five. I think he he could run something like. I worry that. What does it say though when I think about those two guys? I don't worry about Najee doing that. I worry about Travis Etienne doing. Yeah, I mean, ATN needs to run a fast time. If you and, take and it away, really if does. you take it, if you take it away from him, I begin to worry. I just, I begin, I begin to worry. Just so, I mean, for me, that makes Najee Harris just an easy pick at the one point zero one. I'm very comfortable with it. All the Alabama players seem to think X and 
you know, former Alabama and current Alabama all think he's sick. Like that stuff, that stuff matters whenever people tweet out like Najee is the best of all of them and stuff like that. It's like some ex player, like that's, I mean, you, you can take that stuff into consideration, I think sometimes. And, um, even without doing it, it's like whenever I'm in this situation where I, you know, I'm still waiting to see how these guys run. I'm still waiting to see how they test. And I just think about Najee. I'm like, what, 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 you know, what am I comfortable with? What am I expecting? What if he runs a four five five? I don't care. If Travis Etienne runs a four five five, I'm automatically worried as shit. So that should tell me something, and it should tell me that I take Najee Harris over Travis Etienne. And and the fact that Najee Harris catches the ball like he does at at a man of that size, and I know you have been the one who's told me that like Derrick Henry, you have seen Derrick Henry catch the ball. That that's something that actually is in his skill set, just hasn't been fully utilized. But like Harris is actually, I mean, he is really good at it. He's really got, good at it. He's got and, big, he got big tennis hands. He, like he he sucks it in like a vacuum. He's very good at it. Yeah. So let me ask you about another big back who was in Mobile and a guy you know as a, a Texas Longhorns follower you should be familiar with Ramondre Stevenson of Oklahoma. So that guy just fucking ran all over Florida in their bowl game and I think won a lot of people over there. Um, what did he look like in Mobile? What kind of a week did he have? Miserable. I just, oh, really? Yeah, I, just, I I think that he is a. It's unfortunate because he has a three down skill set. He can catch pretty well. He looks like he's pretty good in pass protection, but he's got no juice, man. He's like that guy. I'd be really surprised if he made it onto onto a fifty three man roster. He was. I, I have. I. I'd be surprised if he made it on a fifty three man roster. Oh, interesting. So he's, I mean, he's even bigger than Najee, right? He's probably going to go like, what, 240, 245 uh, when they do the weigh-in at the, these regional combines or whatever? No, he's, uh, he already, so he actually weighed in. Every, everybody weighed in except Devontae Smith. Um, he, so he was uh, 5'11 and 5'8, 227. So he's actually, he, he looks, he, he looks, he just looks bigger than Najee because Najee's a little taller, looks a little more slender. And more of that AP mold, whereas Ramondre Stevenson, you know, basically two inches shorter, but exactly the same way. And dude, I mean, he looks the part, dude. He looks great. I'm not saying I'm not saying the guy doesn't look great, but he 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 doesn't have the juice. Oh, interesting, man. Um, what about some of the other guys you saw there? Like, I know the consensus seems to be that Javante Williams of North Carolina is number three behind Harrison Etienne. Uh, now he wasn't at the Senior Bowl, but. Another Tar Heel back was Michael Carter. What were your impressions of him? Uh, well, really good in the game. And maybe what I didn't realize, another we talked about it through the pod, but one of the things is like these NFL teams, certainly whenever they show you how they use a back or they use a – like I'm there, I'm focusing on these running backs, these wide receivers, these, these, these tight ends, right? And I, but I think they, I think they do this at all positions. Like whenever they use a guy in all kinds of different ways, and they give him reps and different things, and they try to, it means the NFL wants to see him do certain. Things. And they use Michael Carter in a way where it's like he's done the, he's you know, he's doing the end arounds, and he's running the routes out of the backfield. He's doing. They see him as a dynamic weapon. Uh, we came out of there thinking, you know, this guy is a. He had a DeAndre Washington like week at the Senior Bowl. Certainly not a Kareem Hunt like week. Um, the comp I think is pretty good as Gio Bernard because you saw it during the game, really productive, a good one B back. This the thing you worry about is he was the worst pass protector in Mobile that I've seen since Kenyon Drake, like literally the worst. And Kenyon Drake was I thought would be the worst I'd, I'd ever see, 
but Michael Carter was wor- was as bad, maybe not worse, but as bad. Nah, just Sammy Kenyon, they were both really, really, really bad. And and then that pass pro work, that's when you can see the dudes like James White and some of these other guys just really come through with flying colors. Kareem Hunt, we can really see him come through with flying colors. Uh, Michael Carter is just really uh, – he really has a lot of work to do there. And so my worry is if he comes in as a 1B kind of back, you know, how quick he can improve on that pass pro stuff to be able to get on the field because you know that to be on the field and passing downs, you probably have to be a good pass pro back. And it sort of feels like he's you know, he's 202, so he's the same kind of size as like a like these guys like Geo and stuff. It's, it's just slightly underneath that, just, just under 210 that we're looking for to maybe you could be sustainable through most of an NFL season. These guys just can't do it. You know, if they're in there for – I'll say this, man. If Michael Carter is – Minimum salary next year on DraftKings in a good matchup where his starting running back gets hurt. Like, I'll love to play him, right? But I just, I don't know if it's going to be something where he just comes in and takes the league by storm, like some sort of Alvin Kamara, um, at least initially, because the pass protection needs work. And you know how NFL coaches are so, are so weary about that stuff, especially when you want to put those guys in on third. I mean, it's a, a position of opportunity. And if he gets a foothold somewhere as part of a committee, you know, one injury away from being a, a guy that everyone is clamoring over on the waiver wire. You exactly. know how that goes. Yes. I mean, yep. Yeah. Who, anyone else? I know, was it uh, Larry Roundtree the third that you guys were excited about? Yeah. So I, we can't get out here without talking about Larry Roundtree. Um, 216 pounds. He, w- you know, within the, within the, bounds of what the Missouri offense was this last year. He was actually more productive than even Najee Harris. Um, the, the the one knock would have been his uh, ability to show us that he could catch the football out of the backfield. Not much of that on tape, but then you watch the game. He didn't get much going on on the ground, but he did have two nice receptions. That's how he did most of his damage in the game. You know, these guys don't get many reps, but he was able to take advantage of his reps. It's where he got two receptions out of the backfield, caught them both. I think they went for like 11 and 13 yards each. Um, as far as all these guys, man, uh, like if, if you, if you were telling me like, Hey, we're going down for goal line practice right now. We're doing red zone drills. You need one of these running backs to be able to just get the ball in the end zone for you that's not named Najee Harris. There would be no question. Or not named Trey Sermon, who was who was uh there but not taking part in practice. There's there there is no doubt in my mind. I'd say, no, man, I want hand, hand like hand the ball to like hand, hand the ball to, to Larry Roundtree. That's who uh, you know, if you're putting a gun to my head, you're telling me my life depends on it. It would not be Carter, it wouldn't be one of these other guys. Good player, man. I think that he could be some kind of. I, I, I he's 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 better than he's better than people think. He has a higher upside than people think, and I think he has a lower downside than, than people think. I think he should be a, a good NFL runner that has the requisite size in a dynasty. If you could pick him up late right now in these drafts, I think he's an excellent stash because if he gets drafted into these one of these teams where he does find himself getting the opportunity, like Pat was saying earlier. Like he he could come in and actually has some of the requisite stuff that you would expect for dude that can you know maybe if you pick him up off waivers can kind of get you through the next six weeks instead of maybe the, only the next two before he before he breaks down. Were there any tight ends at the Senior Bowl worth mentioning? Yeah, just the one from Georgia uh, for me, Trey McKitty. Um, he had those big eleven inch hands, dude, which are the like the same size hands as the Detroit Lions. I always forget his name, man. It's uh, 
that it's the guy that the Lions took. Hawkinson? Like, no, these, no, I would never forget TJ Hawkins's name. No, this is when I, Michael Roberts. That's why I don't remember his name, right? Because it's Michael Robertson. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 The, the, uh, the, but the, the big pizza pie hands, right? Um, but he was actually, he's actually more of an athletic kind of, an athletic dude that can get open and, and it has a tiny little bit of burst to him. And so, uh, Trey McKitty was the one dude who I could t- number 87. I continued writing him up over and over again where no, no more of these dudes really stood out to me. Um, I think he's a guy, I mean, there's going to be all this emphasis on, you know, in tight end premium best ball and dynasty leagues, maybe, you know, seeing about reaching for, for a guy like Kyle Pitts. But if you don't do something like that, maybe, you know, think about Trey McKitty as a late round pick and somebody who nobody else will be looking at right now. I, I don't think I haven't heard other other people, Maybe he's a guy other people are talking about, but uh, certainly the one that I came out of there most impressed. Now, we've talked about rookies pretty much exclusively here, Alex. But before you go, I I do have to ask just a couple general questions. Uh, I mean, first off, is there one offseason storyline for fantasy that you find really interesting, like either an angle on, I don't know, an individual player or something general about one of the positions yeah, and I'm in the best. I'm on the best podcast to ask somebody about this. So I'll ask Pat Fitzmorris. What like what? What do we do about Alvin Kamara's targets? Oh, yeah, right. If it's Taysom Hill, I mean, we got to see what's going to go on with there. Do we automatically assume that they're going to turn it over to Taysom Hill? Uh, we're gonna, they're going to turn it over there. to somebody. It's not going to be Drew. Yeah, I mean, that's it. Like, do do they do some bizarre thing where it's like you know they. they have some more conventional quarterback and then they mix in Taysom Hill like a lot more than they did with at the Breeze. goal line, uh, swindling Camara. Like there's all kinds of things like that. I think about with Alvin Camara, but I think the targets is yeah, the I mean, first, like it's, a, I, I just wonder what's good. I, I wonder what's going to, what I wonder about Alvin Camara. I wonder about that. that is a, that is a fascinating question. Cause I mean, like that is going to be one of the weird little blips that maybe a lot of people are going to forget in the off season, how, Camara was having this great season and then Breeze goes out and Hill comes in at quarterbacks and Camara was almost unplayable for two or three weeks. I mean, two weeks. And then I think the third week he started to get his mojo back a little bit. They got him a little more involved in the passing game, but nothing like these 14 target games he was having with Breeze there. So, um, yeah, that's really interesting, man. He is he would be a, a nervy pick as a top five guy next year oh, if it yes. no, if it no. is Taysom Hill as the starting quarterback. I, t- I mean, I, I think I'd I think rather have like Jonathan Taylor. Go ahead. Jonathan Taylor yeah. over Kamara, right? Yeah. I mean, right now I think I feel more comfortable. So so that that's just something that's that's very, very interesting to me. I think I'm also interested to see, you know, a new coaching staff in, in Detroit, a new quarterback. What you know, what happens with, with DeAndre Swift? You know, it's like, is is this a net neg? Is this a net positive? Because Dan Campbell is a meathead, you know, caveman that's going to want to run the football maybe a bunch more and just says that Swift kid's good. Dude, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up because you know, like everyone everyone took Campbell to the woodshed for the whole knee biting thing, and like it did make him sound like an idiot. But one of the things I heard him. I didn't hear this quote directly from him, but I saw reported on like he was saying that he was very interested in using DeAndre Swift the way the Saints have used Camara. And we come full circle on the 2021 guys that we're worried about or kind of intrigued by. Right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, 
I mean, like I was excited to hear that he had a solid plan for Swift and that, you know, he wants to get him like very much involved in the pack. Like he's one of the guys I'm really excited about. I think I'm going to have him on a lot of teams just because like, yeah, I mean, other than that weird drop he had to cost them that game against the Bears in his very first game, like he showed me everything I wanted to see in the passing game and was also like, you know, a plus runner too. So um I'm excited about him. What about you? Are there any guys you're personally zeroing in on for 2021 guys that you think are just going to make the jump or a jump and that you're eager to get on your teams? I I mean, yeah, for me, it'll, I, and I don't know where ADP is going to settle in on, but I think CD lamb, I feel like I'll be able to get his stock. I'll I'll continue to buy stock at CD lamb. He's one of the most decreased. Just, he was just so, so incredible last year. And I, I feel like the stats and, the, maybe no, don't just play out for just just how good he was because it does. You bake in the you bake in all the bad quarterback games and you bake in, um, you know the inherent volatility that you're going to have whenever you got a couple of other guys, you know, like you know like Cooper and like Gallup. But I mean, I maintained it last year. I said he comes in, and he he immediately becomes the better fantasy option than Michael Gallup. I feel like that was pretty much pretty much right. Um, I, my long-term contention was he becomes the better option than Amari Cooper. I'd have rated higher as a prospect than Amari Cooper. And I don't feel like he'll be uh, treated that way next year, especially with maybe who knows what, how people are going to be feeling about Dak when he comes back and all the rest of it. So for me, it'll be like, I continue, I continue to um, be as high on CD lamb as I ever was in dynasty in uh, redraft and in best ball. And that's how I'll continue to roll. I, I know it's going to pay off at some point. And this this coming from a guy who uh, you know bleeds at least a little bit burnt orange of Texas, <laughs> and uh, you know giving that praise to an Oklahoma guy who, if I recall, just absolutely killed Texas oh, in his God. last year at Oklahoma. Oh Jesus, he, <laughs> uh, he, he's up he, he's up there on the Tylen Wallace Mount Rushmore of dudes that just killed killed Texas. <laughs> <laughs> well, Alex, this has been awesome as usual. I always love catching up with you. And uh, I, I hope for as long as I do this podcast, you will keep agreeing to come on in late winter every year to help get everyone ready for NFL draft season. Thanks, brother. Of course, brother. Always, man. Hey, uh, before I let you run, you want to just remind everyone where they can find you on Twitter and uh, where they can find all that roster watch gold. Yeah, just follow us on Twitter at Rosterwatch. You can follow me at Alex Dunlap NFL. I don't I tweet more about like hunting and fishing and my kids and stuff from that one. But for the football stuff, um, over at Rosterwatch and YouTube Rosterwatch, we have some great contributors that help us over there. Um, and Rosterwatch.com. And of course, I mean the Rosterwatch podcast. A lot of a lot of great guests. Pat, I need to get you on, brother. We'll get you on sometime in the in, in the next uh in the next, uh, you know, couple months. So you can pop on there, but we always have great guests during the off season. Our girl, Jen does a great job booking them. Yeah. So you can find us at any, any of those spots. Yeah. Anytime, Alex. Thanks again, my man. Talk soon. All right, everyone. That's it for this week's show. My thanks once again to our guest, Alex Dunlap of Rosterwatch. Find him on Twitter at Alex Dunlap NFL and also at Rosterwatch. And be sure to visit Rosterwatch.com and check out the Rosterwatch show on the SiriusXM Fantasy Channel. I also want to thank my producer, Calm Kelly. Find him on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Oh, and it just so happens it is Calm's birthday today, Tuesday, February 9th. 
I am not going to embarrass him or myself by singing happy birthday here, but I do want to wish Calm a very happy birthday. And I hope there is a cold drink and a big slice of birthday cake waiting for him tonight. Uh, birthday cake is a thing in Ireland too, right? Birthday scones? I'm not sure. I do know that they have a birthday tradition in Ireland called bumping, where they hold the birthday boy or girl upside down and bump their head on the floor once for every year, plus an extra one for good luck. Calm is sort of a big boy, so I hope he's got several strong people on hand to help with the bumping. Uh, special thanks also to my friend and colleague, Melissa Jacobs, owner and operator of thefootballgirl.com. Find her on Twitter at thefootballgirl. And as always, I thank you for being here, and I do hope you'll join me again next week when I'll be back with another great guest. Ta-ta, everyone. Get on Team Shaq with WinBet. We're playing parlays, boosting odds, and laying the wildest prop bets. Don't miss another game. Download the WinBet sports betting app today. Sign up today and win $200 in free bets when you place a $10 first-time wager on a straight bet or parlay. Offer subject to change, terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough WinBet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700.